Welcome to the Mike Signorelli Podcast. It's good to have you. Over the next 30 minutes, I'm going to do my best to answer the questions that you're actually asking. Before we jump in, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. Come on, let's get started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Mike Signorelli Podcast. We're coming at you from Queens, and we're going to have a great time today because, believe it or not, people ask me questions all the time, and I thought, what if we just devoted an entire episode to me answering questions? And and there's some good ones in here. It's going to be super fun. Um, So let's just kind of like jump in, right? I've got my man Evan here to help me out. And we collected these questions from Instagram. If you're not already, hit me up on Instagram. uh, Follow me. I'm just going to selfishly ask for it. Um, It's it's probably going to be on your screen right now. Yes, Mike Signorelli underscore. And you can hit me up there. And really, um, all joking aside, I just try to help people through it. Um, Life is very, very difficult. So sometimes you need to sanctify your scroll. And you know what I'm saying? Did you just come up with that? I just came up with that right off the spot, right off the top of my dome. But I try to help people. And encourage you throughout the week, teach you whatever. So hit me up there. And these questions were collected on the gram, and um, we're just gonna we're just gonna go for it. You ready? Yeah, let's go for let's it. Okay. It. So question number one that we have is how do you define codependency? Okay, very simple definition because I know so many people caught in codependent relationships and they're super toxic. Here's the way that you can identify it. One, so let's say you have two people. One person is replacing God with a person mm. and then that other person is okay with being someone else's God. Shoot. That's codependency. And it's very toxic and it's very dangerous. As a matter of fact, if you're struggling in a codependent relationship right now, it's like maybe you need to be needed. You like being needed. You need to break that off of your life. Or maybe you're trying to actually put yourself in a situation where someone else is meeting an insatiable need. You know, here's a lot of times you see it like this. You're like, man, why is that girl with that kind of guy? But the reality is she has father wounds and there's a codependency because there's some, you know, it's funny because even the world knows the phrase daddy issues. Mm. And there can be a codependency there. There's codependency in work relationships. Basically, anytime you are replacing someone else with God and that person is okay with being a God, it also works the other way around where you're actually okay with someone thinking that you're everything. Mm -hmm. And what we call that Superman syndrome. Because you can get to the place where it's like, man, I love being needed. Here's an indicator of a codependent relationship. Some pastors never know when to transition out. They want to be and do everything. They lead worship, forward this to your pastor if he needs to hear it. Then they transition from leading worship to doing the announcements. Then from the announcements, they prophesy. Then they preach and because they love being needed and they create a code of dependency. You can even have a veil of success over your church, over your ministry, over your business. But if I did a deep dive, I'd say that's codependency because you can't pass the baton. You can't raise up other leaders. You, you Come on. Wow. I'm not going to go in there. You're I'm just going saying there. codependency runs deep. So um, identify it, break it. Man, that is what so else good. you got for me. I'm I hope ready y'all are today. getting something out of that because that is so good. Um, all right. So we got another one. It says, what do you think the opposite of apathy is? Okay. So you would think that the opposite of apathy. So let's first start with apathy. What is apathy, right? I would say maybe being indifferent 
maybe just not caring anymore. So you would think that the opposite of apathy would be passion. But I'm going to define this through the biblical lens. The opposite of apathy would be obedience. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jonah was very apathetic or indifferent. No, Jonah was actually opposed to what God wanted to do in Nineveh. And so the opposite of being indifferent to those people or racist or whatever was being obedient to the voice of God. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times in our lives, there's a level of apathy um, that really is disobedience. I'll put it like this. You can be apathetic towards, let me, let me search somebody's heart right now. You can be apathetic towards vacuuming the floor, but very passionate about leading worship. But the opposite of that apathy is obedience. And so God's really calling people into obedience and obedience isn't doing what you are passionate about. Obedience is about doing what needs to be done and, and having that, that thing in you that says, I, I see the need, I'm gonna meet the need. Because I think a lot of ministry people, I'm coming for the ministry people today, a lot of ministry people, they only do things when they're passionate about it. Mm. And we're not called to our passions, we're called to the voice of God, and we're called to our leaders, and so the opposite of apathy is obedience. Wow, we are not called to our passion, we're called to the voice of God. Because That's you know, for somebody, listen, let me just tell you, man, I'm married, okay? Mm -hmm. And when I first met Julie, I had this conqueror thing. I, I want, you know, it was like, I want to get with this girl, I want to be with her. And, you know, passion in marriage, it dwindles at times. There's different seasons you go through, like, you know, right after the birth of, of your child or something like that. Like, you're not going to feel those, those butterflies in your stomach. As a matter of fact, you're going to want to, um, she's going to want to knock you out. You know, there's going to be this, this tension. And so you have have to learn how to stoke that that passion you have to learn to do that but obedience ultimately has to be the lens through which you you view everything because i if i'll put it like this if the covenant of marriage was dependent on passion then divorce would be excusable mm. But divorce isn't excusable through that, through biblical, the biblical lens i mean jesus gives us some reasons why we should or could yeah but it's about obedience to say, I made these vows, I'm going to say to him. And that works anywhere in the world. Man, that is so good. So good. Should we keep going? Yeah, let's just right. keep. I'm blazing through let's right Let's blaze now. through. All right. So we got one here that says, what's the difference between salvation and deliverance? Okay. I get this question a lot because what I would like to tell people is say this prayer for your Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, and, and everything's going to change, you know, like as soon as you say, amen, your bank account's going to be full. As soon as you say, amen, all your enemies are going to be transformed into friends. As soon as you say, you know, it's like, you're, you're going to leave, awesome. you come to church once, say this prayer. When you leave your whole life, it's going to be better. And actually it's, it's not like that. Um, and this is what I tell people. Salvation is instant, but freedom is a journey. Mm. So Romans chapter 10, verse 9, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is Lord, right? Lord, we, we learned when you're talking kingdom talk means ownership. So, so like confess ownership that you belong to him. Believe that in your heart. Submit and surrender to his authority. You're instantly saved. But that doesn't make you sanctified. 
And this is old school talk. And we don't, you know, you're not going to hear this in the celebrity preacher circles too much. Maybe you will after this. I don't know. Maybe we'll spark some, um, some holy hunger for sanctification. But freedom is a progressive journey. Yep. Freedom comes through relationships, showing up to connect groups, showing up consistently, right? It's like you might have a physical condition, but you've got to go to the gym consistently and go on a journey in the gym to get the freedom attached to the mm-hmm. gym. And so it's like that to me is like salvation's instant your spirit has been redeemed but then freedom is a journey mm-hmm. man so good pastor mike so good let's keep going yeah uh, man let's keep going this, this is one. fun this is oh man <laughs> you I, I i was gonna ask but i know you're getting something out of this this is so good uh this one says how can i find my purpose i know i have one but sometimes i get anxious because of my past You know, everyone wants to, in our generation, wants to discover their purpose. Part of it is this feeling that anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Like if you were raised in the self-esteem movement of the 80s and 90s, you have this sense of like, you know, the Disney fantasy is that there's this thing inside of you. There's this potential inside of you, this unrealized dream, this, and if you could just unlock it, you know, we romanticize Mm -hmm. that. And I'll be honest. Most people are just simply paralyzed by it. They're not inspired anymore. They're paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And they feel like they're in competition with people on Instagram and, you know, people on TikTok. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're watching everyone else's uh, profiles balloon up. They're watching everyone else get married, have kids, do whatever that thing is. And we often find, like, how do I find my my purpose? But I want to just say something because I don't know if I could do this in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people who've written good books. Cazone by mm-hmm. Craig Rochelle is a great, oh, book great book that will take you through a process of discovering your purpose. But I want to like reduce it down and make this like soundbite material. Mm-hmm. Work on your character. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to find your purpose and start trying to find the faults in your character. Because if you can find the faults in your character and work on that, then you can sustain what's on the other side when you find your, your, your purpose. There's a lot of celebrities in their purpose. There's a lot of musicians, artists, business people, entrepreneurs in their purpose who don't have the character to sustain it. And so it's hard to fulfill your purpose when you are literally exempted from it because you get dismissed. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, I know a lot of people that can preach better than me, but they don't have the character to be allowed back into the pulpit right now. Mm -hmm. I believe God's going to restore them. God can redeem anything, right? Mm -hmm. We believe that on on this side, you know, of life, that God, that anything's possible, but work on your character. And, and like then, because we, I've been seeing this a lot to our own teams and our own people, but in the book of Psalms, it says that the Lord lifts up and the Lord demotes. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because we often think that our promotion and our demotion is dependent on how much we can politic, how much we can strategize, how much we can corner the market. And yet, if you truly believe the biblical perspective, you believe that it's God who's lifting you up. And the only thing that you can give back to God is your character. Mm -hmm. Because the gift is, it's called a gift because it's, you didn't earn it. Mm -hmm. If you earned it, it's a reward, but it's a gift because you didn't earn it. And so you can't, you can surrender the gift but it was just a gift. It was freely given. But your character is the thing that you have control over. The Bible actually says that the, that your gift will take you before great men. Mm-hmm. And so if you haven't found yourself doing things in front of great men through your gift, you might be wrong about what you think your gift is. 
Man, that somebody just got breakthrough over that. I mean, and that's what well, you know what? And the universe is Simon Cowell. And the universe will tell you, sit down because you can't sing. Yeah. I'll put it like this. This one of my favorite moments was I there's I, there's a singer, Jewel, and she was really big in the 90s, whatever. I had it low-key had a crush on her, I'm just gonna say. And they did this bit uh, for one of the late night shows where they put her in disguise and had her do karaoke. And she just started singing and it was like everyone was mesmerized Mm -hmm. and she captivated them. And it was in you. I mean, nobody knew it was her, but she had the gift Mm -hmm. and it worked in the karaoke bar just like it works in a stadium. Mm -hmm. And so it's like if you keep singing and singing and singing and you're not famous yet, it's not because you haven't been exposed to enough people. It's because you may not be as good as you think you are. And just because your mom said you're good doesn't make you good. Mm. It's the same thing about preaching. It's like if people aren't sharing your sermon, it might not be good. Revolutionary idea right there. You know what I mean? And work on it. It's a craft, right? So I I think like people like, I want to find my purpose. How about this? Work on your craft. Let's Mm. change out the phrase. Like, don't find your purpose, work on your character, and then develop your craft. Because actually there are some communicators that I have watched get so, so Mm -hmm. much, but I used to not even respond when they preach, like just cause I'm be honest, like not everyone I listen to, do I want to hear preach, Mm -hmm. but there's guys that I used to not have any emotional experiences with. And now when I watch them, I'm like, dang, they got good. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, when I was a youth pastor, I had a girl in my youth group who really was not a good singer. And I told her, and I wasn't trying to break, break her dreams or anything, but it was like, I just didn't want to set her up for an artificial future. Cause if you just keep telling everyone they're the greatest ever and they're not, you're not giving them good enough data to change. Yeah. Fast forward, she went to, through so many lessons and so many different trainings that now she's actually leading worship in a very large church, very significant and influential church in America. But I, I like to think that I'm that coach that told Michael Jordan that he's not good enough for the team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need that data too. Yeah. But the thing is, sometimes it's your coach, sometimes it's your mom, your dad, sometimes it's someone close to you telling you that, and sometimes it's the results telling you you're not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in an age where it's the cool thing to be an entrepreneur or to be a preacher or any or a singer or any of these things. It's did the world tell you you should or did God tell you you should? Exactly. And I think that's that's where the core of the wisdom you're bringing is. It's like what did God say? Yes, he'll provision you. you to do it if He called you to do it. But if it's just a good idea or something the world says, you're gonna get some Simon Cowles in your life. <laughs> right. Hopefully. Right. You know what? I don't know. Maybe we got time for like one or two more. Okay. Okay. We got a couple. This has been. I guess I'll pick fun. one. I'm li- I'm liking this, man. So okay, okay. Here's here's one that I think you're gonna tee off on. How do you handle burnout? <laughs> you like how I laugh? No, listen. I don't want to disrespect anyone who has experienced burnout. Mm-hmm. I do believe. I just want to go on record and say I do believe that burnout is real. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that it's something that can and will happen to someone if they don't have the right mechanisms in their life, okay? So the first thing that I do is I always, I'm always working on increasing my capacity. And so what that means is it, I'm like, I go back to the basics and say, is this God's fault or is it mine? Mm. Is it society?
society's fault or is it mine? And taking ownership over every element that I can has helped me. So with my schedule, like we got to the point and I'll, I'm bringing you into the conversation where we realized our drive to work was 22 minutes every, every single, single day. Every then day. we moved to New York City and you were living in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I was living in Ridgewood, Queens, and it wasn't 22 minutes anymore to do anything. And yeah. so we had to take ownership and say, are we gonna allow New York City to whoop us or do we believe that we can hack this environment? Can we make it happen? And so, I, and so some people who experienced burnout maybe didn't go into every nook and cranny of their life. And you know what, I wanna say this, because there's people listening, I can like hear your thoughts. And you're like, oh, this dude doesn't get it, he doesn't understand, because everyone feels that way. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's all, sometimes it's just the margin. Like when you win a race, sometimes you win by milliseconds. Mm -hmm. And people think, so maybe you're right, maybe there's not a lot you can change about your life, but number one, how do you know that? I think even that's ignorant. I hang out with people who have 20,000 person churches and I leave hanging out with them with my phone notes full of next mm -hmm. steps. Yep. And 0% and of what they told me was in the realm of my thinking. Mm. So sometimes we're like, I've done everything I can. Or like, dude, then you're not hanging around the right people. Because somebody who's in another realm will show you. Not, sometimes it's not even what, but it's how you do it, right? Mm -hmm. So I, to avoid burnout, I do that. Um, the other thing is understanding that your capacity, when you think you've maxed, could be found in the lives and the energy of other people. Mm. And I said this to you all the time, but like yeah. most of life's problems are the result of relationship or the lack of relationship. Mm -hmm. And most of life's solutions are found through people through relationship. And so you have to ask yourself like, have I tapped capacity because I don't know how to release people into their purpose? And I'm just doing this all by myself. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've shadowed people for a half day and been like, okay, you, you think you're on the verge of burnout, let me hang with you for a day. And I've, I've showed them like, well, why did you do this and this and this? Why could this person was, and you know, it's funny cause you have the blinders on, mm -hmm. not you, but other people, they don't always see that it's like, the people who want to help you are literally standing by like this, but you can't see it. Right. And so to, to avoid burnout is to open and expand your vision. Man. You think we got one more time, I one more? I think we got time for one more. Um, man, we got, we, got, we got it down to two. I guess I'll just pick one. Yeah. So, What's your best church planting advice? <laughs> All right, so when God gave me the vision to plant a church, the term church planting wasn't in my vocabulary. It was 1998, like literally, and I have this written down. I just remember when I got it, and I carried that vision and didn't launch my first church till 2016, 2017. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. And right now, I would challenge anyone who just has this random idea. I think the best advice I can give someone about church planning is don't do it. Hmm. Like, don't do it. You should know, like, you should be assessed. Like, other people should, there should be some kind of like, you know what I'm trying to, like some, mm -hmm. some mutual accountability where people are saying, yeah, I can see it. If, if no one around you can see it, and your team ramrod because you got a vision, yeah. I think that my best advice is don't do it. Wow. Yeah. I'll put it like this, people think that their future is so fragile, but it's like, I, but the God of the Bible says, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you, mm -hmm. I formed you. You know, you hear this kind of messaging, he comes to Joshua, be courageous, be courageous, says it eight times. 
But it's like we think that if we don't make every single decision meticulously correct, it's not going to happen. And a lot of what I see in the church planning space is, let me just break it down. I'm mad at my pastor. I think God called me to church plant. They just don't tell you the first part of the sentence. Mm -hmm. Or it's, I think I can do it better because my pastor's antiquated and, and I want cooler graphics. Or it's, I just want more autonomy. Or it's, I think I can scale it and be more successful and make more money and have more influence. Mm -hmm. So I really check the motive. Like, I'll, I'll end on this, because I don't know how we're doing on time, but I think we're right at the end here. I had this moment where I try to preach the gospel to everyone in my neighborhood, and I want it to be dangerous wherever I'm at. And I get a lot of rejection in New York. But the other day, I came out of the bathroom, mm -hmm. and somebody had stopped me and said, Pastor, you know, I see you on Instagram, blah, 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 can you pray for me? And as I was praying for them, uh, organically a line of people formed. And one after another, they were coming to me crying and, and, and just asking me, can I pray for them? And it wrecked me because I was like, if you can't start a prayer line in front of a bathroom in the middle of New York, you can't start a prayer line in an auditorium for a church service. You know what I mean? And oh it's got to be who you are. Not who you are on Sunday for 70 minutes, but it's got to be who you are. Because if people don't sense that level of authenticity, you will never be successful by anyone's definition, not by heavens and not by man. And so I, go, I would challenge, like if someone's like, well, I want a church plant, well, go lead people to Christ right now. Shut this mm -hmm. podcast down, start doing the work. Yeah. Because... I think that people have it wrong. It's like, well, first I'll get the money, I'll make the logo, I'll launch the church. And God's saying like, no, go out there, lead people to Christ, be the church, and then everything else will be added unto you. And so my best advice to people who want a church plan is don't do it. Come on, that's so good. <laughs> so good. Well, this was so much value added. Um, hey, if you guys got any other questions that you want to see answered in future episodes, I guess hit you up on Instagram, right? It'll yeah. be up on the screen. Hit again. me up on IG, uh, Mike Signorelli Podcast. Today's episode was so much fun, and we're going to do this again. So we'll see you guys soon. And uh, thank you so much for listening, for sharing, for subscribing, and everything else you do. Um, I'm looking forward to the next episode. I'll see you then. If this episode helped you in any way, visit MikeSignorelli.com and sign up to receive encouragement and resources directly to your inbox. I'll see you over there and I'll see you next episode.